Welcome to the LDS Life Podcast. I'm Kevin Williams. We're going to split this podcast into segments, just as I have done on previous podcasts. The original podcast was a conversation with Carl Watkins and Sounds of Sunday, but it went so long, I figured I had to split it up. So we're going to split it up into, I believe, about five segments and along with another episode that talks about LDS church music and the future of it, along with our opinions about it. It was just a side conversation that worked its way into the original podcast. So this particular segment of the podcast will be Carl Watkins' conversion story. Enjoy this segment of the podcast. It is the LDS Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Williams, podcasting to you from Billings, Montana. I know it's been a very long time since I have done a podcast. I've had a lot going on, and I, as many of you know, I do another podcast called Canning Plus 7. So a lot of my energy has been uh, put on that particular podcast. But we're back, and I actually am planning to do some more podcasting on uh, on the LDSLA podcast. I met some people over the weekend at certain conferences and whatnot where we can do a podcast together. I can interview them on the podcast and what have you. How are you, Carl? Oh, doing fine. I'm fine. Good. Uh, Carl Watkins is my guest. And Carl, I actually, uh, Carl does a program, some of you may have heard, called The Sounds of Sunday. Now, The Sounds of Sunday is a syndicated show. It's broadcasted off the internet, not satellite, but it's syndicated from the internet. How many affiliates do you have? 15? Something uh, I like think that? we have, I think 16 right now. 16, uh, okay. Two in Arizona, uh, Idaho. I think there's like seven of them or something. And then we have a couple in Wyoming and uh, the rest in Utah. Um, but it well, adds up to, I think, 16 or 17. I have to double check that. The way I found out about you was I was doing some research on a radio station, KZDX in Burley. Yeah. And your KZDX of... is is, uh, is hot 100 out of Twin Falls. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Are they in Twin Falls now? Are they? Because I know they used to broadcast out of Burley. I think they're in both Jerome and Burley. They have a Burley studio, and that's probably where they do most of it in Burley. But I think they have an office also in Jerome. Okay, Which we're going to get nerdy Falls. for a little bit about radio, so bear with us, folks. We're going to get All into right. Sounds of Sunday, but um, yeah, so I was doing, uh, for those of you radio buffs out there, uh, Hits uh, Variety 100 used to be Hits 99, and before that, it was the Superstation. I don't know if you remember that. Do you remember that? <laughs> no, I didn't actually live there. I lived in, in Blackfoot for 30 years. And I was okay. with KLC, KLCE Radio. Didn't you pick up Hits 99? Didn't you pick up that? Because I picked up that station in eastern Idaho very well. Yes, it it really does come in there strong. They have a very tall mountaintop outside of Burley somewhere. And that signal goes for a long way. Yeah, and in fact, I, uh, yeah, you can pick can... up 99.9 .9 around there. It's it, it's a little faint in some places, but it, it's really quite legitimate. It's amazing how strong it is coming in. Yeah, so but you, I guess you never did listen to it though. Not really. I, you know, I hear it passing, but there was a lot of other things I was monitoring. I was okay. chief engineer for a group of stations there in the Blackfoot, Idaho Falls area, Pocatello, and uh, and in the end, I was actually working with K Love. I was the engineer for K Love that put their transmitter on East Butte, which was out of Rigby, 
I mean, the uh, license was to Rigby, but they covered all that area, Idaho Falls area. Oh, we're going to have to talk about that off the podcast. Yeah, that's a different but, story. Um, that's after I left KLCE, I was doing some other work and engineering work, and I worked for Love. Well, I didn't realize uh, Sounds of Sunday was a big deal. Now, I've heard Sounds of Sunday, and we're going to get into that later, but I didn't. I just thought it was the radio stations using that as a generic name. I didn't realize, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, but let's get into your childhood real quick. Uh, again, Carl Watkins is my guest, and he does the Sounds of Sunday. You can check it out at soundsofsunday.com. Uh, but, yeah, well, anything about your childhood that stands out? I know you're a convert. You can get into that if you want to. Well, technically, uh you can go onto that page and find out all kinds of information about me. It's kind of concealed, but if you go to the bottom of the page, there is an entry that says Carl's life's experiences. And if you go in there, there's a ton of stuff you'll find out about me because it's just, you know, one bottled up little page. I don't want to consume the page with me. So I have that one little entry, Carl's life's experiences. And then there's several pages in there and there's one on my childhood. So I grew briefly, up in, uh, uh, briefly tell us how you got into the church and uh, how you got into radio. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I grew up in Southern California in a place called Linwood, which I later found out was the same high school that Weird Al Yankovic went to. So I felt, hmm, wow, I must be important if I went to the same high school as Weird Al Yankovic. But Weird Al was like 14 years younger than me. So I, he was in diapers when I was in high school. And so I graduated in 1962. And, um, Getting into the church, okay. My dad was not a member of the church. He grew up in Oklahoma, and all the Watkins relatives are in Texas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana. That's kind of where my ancestry comes from back there. And he was Baptist, I think. Uh, he wasn't active in any church at all. He was a good man. He smoked, and he told me never to smoke because he wished he'd never stopped, started. And <laughs> so I'm about nine years old. And I'm playing with my friend Ronnie around the corner on a Saturday on the, on the sidewalk in front of the house or the homes in our neighborhood in, in a wagon. And this Mr. Gintner, Mr. Gintner, I didn't know who he was. He walks by on the sidewalk and he comes up to us. He says, hi, boys. How would you like to go to Sunday school with me tomorrow? I says, oh, Okay. He says, well, go get permission from your moms. So we both went to our moms and they said, yeah, it's okay. You can go with them to the Sunday school. So the next morning, uh, Mr. Gintner comes by and picks up Ronnie and me and takes us to Sunday school. And it's at this uh, Protestant uh, evangelical, I wasn't evangelical. It was a non-denominational Protestant church. And it was on the edge of uh, Linwood into Southgate, going north of Linwood into Southgate on Tweedy. I think it was on Tweedy. So we went there. And it was my kind of first exposure to any church. I don't think I went as a kid to any church that I can think of. And when we went there, they would give us little merits. Each time we went, I think we got three merits, and they were like paper money, like Monopoly money. And when you got uh, enough merits, you could go to the chest in the corner and buy something from the chest. And my mom called that a, like a come on church or something. I don't know what my oh, mom yeah. did. Yeah. You know, just to get you to come and get the little merits and get something in the corner. Well, I remember the people were very kind to me. I remember the one girl in there taught Sunday school and I'll never forget the lesson she taught. It was about, um, tell a miss, tell a lie 
and uh, I can't remember what the other was. It was about Miss Tellalai. Now, Miss Tellalai would sweep the floor, but rather than pick the dust up in a, in a dustpan, she would sweep the dust under the rug and then put the rug down on the dust. That was Miss Tellalai. I'll never forget that lesson. Isn't that funny? I could remember it all these years. And I finally kept going to this church Wait, each Sunday. what was Sunday. the point of the lesson, though? The, 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 it was to be truthful, to pick up the dust and put it in the yeah, can. Don't lie. Yeah, was a story yeah. that she got caught, or was yeah. she... Yeah. In other words, sweeping the dust under the rug is not cleaning the dust off the floor. It, you're basically lying about it. You're, you're. Yeah, but was there, you know, Miss Tillalai did this, and somebody took, pulled up the rug and noticed all this dust? Or I how? can't remember if she got discovered or not. She just didn't oh, do it. Okay. Right. Yeah, okay. she didn't. Anyway, so I kept going to this church uh, for several weeks, I think probably a month or maybe six weeks. I finally got enough merits to buy what I wanted out of that chest. It was the cross that glowed in the dark. Oh. It was a, like a white cross, and you put it under light, and it would start glowing green. And you could turn off all the lights, and you could see this cross glowing in the dark. And I thought, wow, I want that, man. That's cool. So I finally got the cross that glowed in the dark. I was so excited. Later on, Mr. Gintner comes to my house with his wife and with my mom presents me with my own Bible. Carl is wow. such a good kid. We want to give you a Bible. So they give me this Bible and it was kind of a leather cover. And then there's the inscription inside Carl Watkins or something like that. Uh, Mr. And Mrs. Gintner, as I think they were their names. And that was very kind of them to, to give me a Bible because they, they thought so highly of me. Well, Do you remember what version of the Bible it was? It's a King James. Okay. Sure yeah, they were into the King James version. I've got it in the other room. Okay. I still have the Bible. It's falling apart, but I still have it. Oh, that wow. was like, uh, what, 60 years ago? I'm, I'm 78 years old. Do the math. So it's a long 70, almost yeah. 70 years ago. So anyway, uh, later on, uh, sometime during that period of time, Bill Pickett, who lives around the corner from me on a different street, he's LDS. And I'm a primary age, and we didn't have a church building at that time in Linwood. We met in the back of a theater on Long Beach Boulevard. And I don't know what the theater, I think they did performances in there and stuff. They had a stage in there and there's some seats. And they, he says, hey, Carl, how would you like to come to primary? What's primary? Well, we meet on Thursdays in the back of the theater. So I agreed to go with them. I thought, well, that'll be fun. So I went to, with Bill Pickett and his mother to primary each Thursday afternoon. I think I went for, I don't know, probably a month or something, maybe six weeks. And I just don't can't remember how many weeks it was. But I remember going there, and it turned out that Bill Pickett's mother was the chorister. And she was up on the stage and directing the music as we sang songs in primary. And we were sitting in the seats of the theater. The only thing I really remember about that is she wore open-toed sandals. And she was up on the stage about eye level from where I was sitting. And I just noticed her toes in her sandals. And when she was directing the music, her toe would go up and down, up and down to the beat of the music. And I thought that was funny. I, I don't know if that's the, it's the only thing I remember about primary when I was nine years old. Okay, and real then, quick. Who is Bill Pickett? Bill Pickett was a kid around the corner from me. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, the kid then invited me to primary. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. So go later ahead. on, later on, the church gets built. That was 1955. And we got a church building across from the high school in Linwood. 
It's still there to this day. And that was built about 1955. And they said, hey, Carl, how would you like to come to Sunday school with us? we got a brand new church over here. Oh, well, I'm going to this other church on Sunday. Oh, you got to come to our church. And so he persuaded me. And I thought, okay, I'll go to this church one week and your church the next week and back and forth. So I thought, okay, I guess that's what I should do, you know. And so I went to the LDS church for the first time. And it was nice. The people were very kind to me and I uh, can't remember much about it. Kids were there from primary, of course. And I remember it, this, this thing about, okay, which church do I go to? They're both nice churches. They're both nice people. And one lady was sitting in the back of the foyer. I can't remember who her name was. It might've been Jeanine Weiler, but I'm not sure if that was her or a different woman. But she said to little nine-year-old Carl, I told her my, my problem, you know, the, uh, which church? Well, you know, if they both, if they teach different things, they can't both be true. What? I had never thought about that before. They mean they teach different things? Yes, they teach one thing and this, we teach different, different things. And I thought, well, that makes sense to me. They can't both be true if they're teaching different things about Jesus Christ and about, about the gospel in general. So one day, I, I, I was pondering this, and maybe a week or two later, I'm in the back of the chapel thinking about that, and I remember glancing backward toward the track rack. Now, in those days, they had racks on the wall which contained tracks, like the Joseph Smith story, which church is right, and so forth, all the missionary tracks they would give out, and you could just take one freely and read it if you wanted to take it home. And I was glancing back at the track rack on the wall, pondering, could the Mormon church be the true church? And I just received a very warm feeling that it was the true church. I didn't know anything about it, really. I didn't even know what the Book of Mormon was. I just remember that feeling, this is the true church. And acting on that feeling, I decided that, that I would continue to go to this church. And I remember Mr. Gentner coming over to my house, and my mom having to explain to him, yeah, all my family are Mormons, and we think he should be a Mormon. That was the excuse they pretty much gave him, and he was okay with that. But he felt bad that I was leaving his, his church after the nice Bible they had given me. But that's where my testimony began, really, was that uh, in the back of that foyer, glancing back at that track walk, tracked rack on the wall, wondering which church is true. And what kind of a feeling did you have? It was, it was a warm feeling. It was like... I this feels like the right thing. Okay. You know, it's like when you're convinced that something's right and you get a warm feeling, I suppose it's the Holy ghost talking to you. Yeah, uh, this is true. I mean, you felt confident that you were doing the right thing. Uh -huh. uh, I'm going to say about two years later here, I keep going to the church, the LDS church all that time. All I knew it was, was a Mormon church at that time. That's all I knew. I don't even think I knew what the book of Mormon was. I think I just liked the church and the people. And I felt good when I, get, I was there. One day, I'm sitting in the back of the chapel with my friend, Dick Shumway, and I'm about 11, going on 12 years old. And back there, and we gab away. It's Sunday school, and we're just, you know, gabbing away, not paying attention much. So one particular Sunday, Dick Shumway says to me, when I start talking to him, shh, got to be quiet. Why? Because the bishop's watching. The bishop? Oh. What's the bishop? Who's the bishop? He's up there. 
he, he's always watching you. And he led me to the feeling that he was going to come and, and beat me up or spank me or something if I was, if I was talking in the back of the meeting. And I thought the bishop, he must be a pretty daunting character. You know, I don't know who that is. Who is he? Where is he? Well, he's just up there. He's always watching. Oh, wow. so I thought, and I, I looked up there and on the walls, they had speakers, you know, like PA sp system speakers above the sacrament table was one of those uh, little speakers in the wall. It had kind of a wooden grill it, or it had uh, cloth with wooden spokes on there. Like you could see through it. And there was one on the opposite side of the chapel as the door exiting the chapel had a grill speaker up there too. They were decorative more than anything. And uh, then in the back of the organ, there was an organ loft speakers back there. And they look like um, chalk, um, white lattice assembly with cloth in behind it. And I thought, is he looking out of one of those? Because I thought he was maybe concealed up there looking and sneaking and watching people. <laughs> he said, he's always watching. I don't know where he is or something to that effect. And so I was quiet after that. And then probably a month later, all of a sudden, kids my age are passing the sacrament. And I looked at them and I said, they're doing the bread and the water. How do you get to do that? And Dick told me, well, you got to be a deacon. Oh, how do you get to be a deacon? Oh, you got to talk to the bishop. <gasps> the bishop? Oh, no. <laughs> so I was a little... I thought, okay, I'll be nice. I haven't talked too much. You'll probably be nice to me. So I went after Sunday school in the back of the lobby, and I says, how do you find the bishop? And he says, oh, he's in the bishop's office in, in the cultural hall. There's right at the door right there off the cultural hall. So I went into the cultural hall, and there's the first door, and that's the bishop's office. And I knocked, and I went in, and he was an older man. He seemed very nice, and he said, uh, I said, uh, I'd like to be a deacon. I thought maybe it was like being a scout or something. I didn't know what the deacon thing meant. Oh, well, you want to be a deacon? And some way they had overlooked me. Here I was 12 years old, and they didn't even ask me. And, and the reason was because I didn't have any records in the ward. He looked up my records to find if I'd been baptized, and I hadn't been. So he says, oh, well, you got to be baptized before you can become a deacon. Oh, well, how do you do that? And he says, well, we'll send the stake missionaries to your house. And so... They sent the stake missionaries to give me the 13 discussions, as it was at that time. So that was 1957, I guess, the end of 57. And they gave me the 13 discussions. And uh, my mom was good with it because, you know, she wasn't active, but she didn't have any problems with me uh, following up into the church. So she came to my discussions and so forth, and we set a baptismal date. And uh, uh, I was baptized on January the 4th. 1958. And I was 13 years old then. And then they gave, made me a deacon right after that. So, <laughs> so the my... person who invited you to church, did they, did that person know your mom or did it, was it just I, a random they, I thing? think the reason they invited me because my mother was on the records of the church and I wasn't just, he, she had a boy. Okay. A member, she was a, she was a member. My mother was, but she wasn't active. But uh, apparently they followed up and saw all the kids of the the members, and I happened to be one of them. So I think that's why they invited me particularly. So was your dad okay with this? He must have been. Yeah, he was okay with it. I think my dad was like, uh, let's let Carl make his own. See, my grandmother, my mother's mother was very solid in the church. She was in Long Beach, which was about five miles away. And 
she didn't bug me too much. And I think my parents insulated me from her because it was like my dad was Baptist. My mom was Mormon, if you will. And let's let Carl grow up and make his own decisions in life. And my dad was good with that. And okay. he didn't, he didn't, he didn't have a problem with me doing it. He just didn't want to be involved with it. My dad never did join the church. He was a good man. Yeah. And, uh, but he taught me right from wrong. That's for sure. My dad was a real good, you know, I, he was a non-member, but he taught me really good things. He was to be respectful of girls and to uh, tell the truth and not steal and things like that. My dad was very good about that. Mm -hmm. He was a good father. Was he active in the Baptist church? No, no. He never went to church at all. Oh, okay. But Interesting. the day came many years later when I finally decided to serve a mission. And my grandmother had a lot to do with that. When, when I became a, a member of the church, the, on my baptismal day, my grandmother came. It was in the Long Beach Steak Center, I think, where they had a baptismal font. I was in the South Los Angeles Steak, but I don't know if we had a baptismal font. Uh, but we went to Long Beach to get baptized. And we were over there, and my, my, mother show, my grandma shows up, and she brings me a birthday card to my baptism. And the birthday wow. card says, you're born again. And she was emphatic about that. <laughs> She had been serving as a stake missionary. My grandmother was a wonderful lady and kind of determined and strong-willed woman, <laughs> my grandmother uh -huh. was. And I remember she's the one that told me and put it into my head that I could do great things in this life and that I could go on a mission and I could, uh, I, I, I could use my influence in a very positive way in the direction of the gospel. She really put it in my heart to go on a mission. And, and to do these things. So my grandmother deserves a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, credit for what I am today. Thank you for listening to this segment of the podcast concerning Carl Watkins' conversion story. Don't forget to listen to the next segment, his life story, talking about his dramatic experience being saved in the ocean.